The Masters tee times and pairings are out, Joe. Nothing spicy when it comes to the live players and Rory McIlroy. But we do know now that Tiger Woods, Eldrick Woods, Tiger Tiger Woods, will tee off a 10-18 on Thursday. He'll oh. be paired with Victor Hovland, the Hove, and Xander Shoffley. It doesn't do anything for you, does it? Sure. Okay. I'll just nod my head and go, cool. <laughs> Patrick Reed, the villain of the Live Tour, is playing with Adam Svensson and Sahith Thigala. So no juice there either. Your boy Louis Oosthuizen, though, who I know you enjoy. Yes. Who did go to Live. He did. Kevin Kisner and Adrian Marunk. 18 of them, man. Out there looking like WCW, as though it's like the New World yeah. Order. Yeah. Like right. Who, who's gonna who's gonna show up to Augusta with a fake black beard like Hollywood Hulk Hogan? That's what I want. Is that what is that what Greg charcoal Norman's gonna on. do? Just powdering some of that charcoal on their face to make it look like they're rough and tumble guys with the New World Order? I mean, or they're gonna look like Vince McMahon, who just sold to Endeavor along with UFC, where he grew out a mustache and he looked like he was a cartoon villain. Did you see that picture of Vince McMahon? I did not. No. No, seriously, go look up Vince McMahon's appearance on CNBC earlier this week or yesterday when the news came out that the WWE and UFC were combining to create a $21 billion entertainment. Oh, I see. It now. Look at him. He doesn't look he looks like he's about to direct an 80s teen movie. Either he that or he's dyed gonna, all of his hairs. That's he's weird. Yeah, yeah Vince Vince's You want to know if succession is based on anything real? It might be, based on what Vince McMahon was able to do with the WWE with his kids, Dennis, too. explain that one to me. Dennis is on the phone right okay. now. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of the WWE thing No, a bit. but it, it's... They're like the UF... That's the UFC parent company. Yes. Like, why would you want to confuse people with what's real and what's I think scripted? They're, I think they're two distinct things. I they're think very people, distinct. They're very distinct. Nobody's going to be confused. Okay. Why did Vince McMahon grow out a pencil mustache and dye his hair? No, I was <laughs> Great concerned question. about the Endeavor... I was, it was that's my question. One's entertainment, one is sport. Okay. Well, they're gonna be publicly traded together. Yeah. They combined. Yeah, combined now their valuation together combined is over twenty one billion dollars. Probably streamline some stuff too. Pay per views, app, technology, all okay. that stuff. Makes a lot of sense. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Another Duke player declaring for the NBA draft. First, it was Derek Whitehead. Today, it's Derek Lively. Here's head coach John Shire on Lively deciding to go pro. It's been an honor to coach Derek Lively. Derek's had a special freshman season. You know, he's grown as much as any player that we've had from beginning the season to the end. I think it's a reflection on the work that he's put into his craft. He's gone up every single morning with Coach Jefferson before and after practice, the work that they've put in together, building his game. And he has these natural abilities, which he can't teach. And, you know, really by the end of the season, he was the best defensive player in the country. And just so proud of him fighting through adversity. He's the ultimate team guy. Any NBA team would be lucky to have a guy like Derek because of what he brings to the table, of course, from a basketball standpoint, but just as much as who he is as a teammate for someone that I can say I love coaching and absolutely am so proud of what he's done and I wish him, Kathy, uh, his family the best as he takes the next step. He's going to be great at the next level. That's John Shire. All of this is part of 
produced videos now that the school's put out. We, we live in an interesting time where NBA announcements, transfer announcements, and everything else are all jumbled together. Staying announcements are all put in there, and they're speaking, all produced. Speaking of MMA and... Right. It's all produced. WWE being together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's. I mean, look, I, I don't think anybody's surprised no. uh, by Derek Lively. Yeah, Lively pro. and Whitehead, two five-star guys. You know, they really were supposed to have more of a role on this team, but injuries prevented that. I do think John is right when he says the progress that Lively made was dramatic. Mm -hmm. But I also think there are still, yes, I I do. The NBA wants an athlete of that caliber. Uh, Absolutely. But he still is going to have to improve the way that he could put the ball in the basket. He is going to have to improve that. Next up. One, two, three. Break up the Angels, Joe. Angels won their third straight last night over a real team this time. Whoa. They beat Seattle 7-3. to But wait, it gets better. There's more? Shohei Otani hit a 431-foot home run last night. Otani hit a homer, and the Angels won. What is the world coming to? Stop the count. It's over. Give them the World Series. They're officially back. The Angels are back eh, with a 7-3 okay. to win. Over the Mariners. If, there, if there's one thing I've learned about Major League Baseball, don't get too wrapped up in what happens in April. April champs, the Angels. Well, that's the Mets. Uh, Mets the Mets usually, live to start fast the Mets, and then fade. The Mets usually give you until Memorial Day. Yes, yes. And then they'll fade out. And then by the time we get to the All-Star break, everybody's wondering what the hell happened. All right, next up. And I don't even care who number two is. So this week has been nonstop debate about Angel Reese, LSU, and Caitlin Clark, Iowa, and what happened at the end of the national championship game on Sunday. The one thing that was notable while everybody was screaming at each other about class and doing it the right way and playing gotcha games with where was that energy when Caitlin Clark was doing the John Cena? All stupid, stupid stuff, right? You never really heard from Angel Reese, and you never really heard from Caitlin Clark in terms of anybody having a problem with this, right? Angel Reese won. She clapped back at the ESPN-described queen of the clapback, Caitlin Clark, and Caitlin Clark went on ESPN today and said straight up, I got no problem with what Angel Reese did at the end of the game. I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. Um, you know, no matter which way it goes, um, you know, she should never be criticized for what she did. Um, you know, I'm just one that competes and she competed. So I think everybody knew there was going to be a little trash talk in the entire tournament. It's not just me and Angel. So, um, you know, I don't think she should be criticized. Like I said, um, LSU deserves it. They played so well. And like I said, I'm a big fan of hers. So there you go. If Caitlin Clark doesn't have a problem and understands in the heat of battle, these are the types of things that happen and she dishes it, you got to take it. Then why are we still screaming at each other about these types of things? Just like you said yesterday, trash talk is part of basketball. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark has been talking trash. Angel Reese talked it back. She walked the walk. She won the championship. Winners get to write the story, right? It's usually how it works out. I mean, my working theory on this is simply that Caitlin Clark was positioned as the central, the central character of the women's NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and she was absolutely compelling to watch. And when you bring in a lot of casual people, you don't get to 9.9 million people watching on average without bringing in a lot of casual yeah. fans who want to see what the show is about. I've been hearing about this. I've been seeing the highlights. Let me check this out. And the numbers were bonkers. 
that when you're not in any way, shape, or form connected to watching the sport and you see that, your sensibilities are going to be challenged. Especially when you get in with the typical tropes of what we happen to have with women and how we act when we see women be defiant, boisterous, in that like I love it. I think it's great. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. But there are there are people out there that simply have a hard time with watching women be confident. Okay. And they would never have that issue if one of their favorite male players acted the way that they act. I mean, we've elevated Steph Curry into where he is, and that guy is one of the biggest trash talkers on the planet. Okay. We myth you know, Michael Jordan's a myth, and the guy created slights out of nothing. All right. So we can't, well, I say this, we can't have a double standard. We have a double standard for women all the time. Right down to how we treat the White House, the visits to the White House, right? So usually you win a championship, you go visit the White House. But apparently the first lady, Jill Biden, said, oh, I would love to invite both Iowa and the LSU. Mm. And Caitlin Clark was asked about that. And I love this response even more. I don't think runner-ups usually go to the White House. I think LSU should, you know, enjoy that moment for them. And congratulations, obviously, they deserve to go there. Uh, maybe I could go to the White House on different terms, though. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, that's for LSU. So, um, you know, that's a pretty cool moment, and they should enjoy every single, you know, second of being a champion. So. There you go. <laughs> apparently, um, a- apparently, the White House is clarified jill biden's statement mm. and she was just like look i was caught up in the moment i thought it was a great game but yeah no we're, we're not gonna do that which is fine next up to the men's national title game last night where uconn just strangled san diego state and it capped off a pretty incredible run by uconn throughout the ncaa tournament you know we've been talking about the monster all year who is the monster well certainly UConn was the monster in the NCAA tournament based on margin of victory and everything else so with five national championships in 25 years what's UConn got to do to get some respect next so UConn wins the title last night there's all sorts of storyline threads you can pull on Dan Hurley Danny Hurley probably the biggest one a guy who accepted that UConn job. UConn uh, has been through all sorts of weirdness in the absence and retirement of Jim Calhoun. They win a championship with Kevin Ollie, what, in 2014? And then, you know, that was in the American Athletic. They didn't really have a home. They're trying to make football a thing. That didn't work out. They go back to the Big East. Hurley builds this thing up, and now it pays off with a national championship. That's five national championships since 1999. That's pretty freaking impressive. So, what's UConn got to do to get some respect, Joe? What's UConn got to do to be discussed in the same way that we talk about Duke, we talk about Carolina, we talk about Kentucky, who's only won one national championship in this time frame, or Kansas? What do they got to do? I think this is where the consistency comes in. Yeah. Right? Like, we all have our inherent biases of what is a blue blood blood program. Mm -hmm. It also changes when we talk about it, when we have these conversations. In the 80s, we probably still included UCLA as a blue blood program. Some would still do that today. And we definitely would have included Indiana Mm. in the 80s when Bobby Knight was still there. So the conversation changes. It shifts. I do think there is something to Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky to do it for decade after decade after decade after decade. Right? 
to have the success, to have the coaches, to have the titles that they have with different coaches, to have success with different coaches in different eras. There is something to that. And I think they are on their own level. I do not put Duke in that level with them because I re- I do realize Duke had success before Mike Krzyzewski, but he really elevated the program to a, to a sure. completely different spot than where it was. So, again, where do you want to have the conversations? If we had had the conversation just a year ago, mm-hmm. we would have included Villanova and Jay Wright, given the success that he's had in the last decade. But when you ultimately, when you think about it, what are we talking about? What Are we talking about year in, year out, consistent? Are we talking about putting players in the NBA? Yeah. Are we talking about making the Final Four? Are we talking about winning the title? Are we talking about memorable wins in the tournament? You, know, you think about Carolina playing in some games in the last 25 years that have been memorable, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you talk about Duke and the players that they've put into the into the NBA. I think there's something to that. I, I Ultimately, I would say to you, if you were to ask me which program I'd rather be since 1999, my personal answer would be UConn because of the five championships. That's 40% more than any other team's won. I mean, that's fine. I think what this comes down to, it's not just a program thing. It could be for coaches. It could be for players, right? You can't make people like you. No. You can't. Bonnie Raitt, man. You can't, I can't make you love me. You cannot make people recognize. They, people like what they like. And over the years, for a variety of reasons, people have grown these attachments to North Carolina basketball. They've grown these attachments and have a personality based on Duke. Same with Kentucky, the BBN, you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? And there's a lot of history there. I try to limit my Cow- Colin Cowherdisms of comparing everything to corporate America or whatever it is. But I can come up with one of those and a similar sports version of what's going on with UConn. The first thing I think about UConn basketball winning five national championships in the last 25 years and not getting that kind of respect, it reminds me of Miami Hurricanes football. Miami Hurricanes. Very similar, yes. Miami Hurricanes came out of nowhere in the 80s with Howard Schnellenberger. They did it over multiple coaches. The machine was rolling, and they won multiple national championships. And the blue bloods of college football had zero time in accepting Miami a team that brought eyeballs, won championships, put guys in the NFL. They never were to give them the respect. It was new money. And new money, if you've got new money, you understand how new money doesn't necessarily buy you clout with old money. That was Miami football. So I think that's UConn, right? Jim Calhoun wasn't exactly lovable. UConn's not this ginormous school that's pumping out grads, okay? And they're not going to get that respect. The other way to look at it is, Superhero movies versus fine cinema, okay? And UConn can point to their championships in the same way that Marvel movies can point to the box office. But you're going to have your Martin Scorsese's who go, yeah, but we don't respect that. You're not, you don't have this track record of fine movies that have built the culture, right? Ingrained in the film culture. But that's cool, whatever, I still get the box office. So that's that's kind of what UConn is, you know. In a lot of ways, you know, to to identify a, a particular player, it's like Kevin Durant. I've asked this question. Like every player has their guys who ride for him. You got your LeBron fans, 
There's the Kyrie contingent out there as out there as he can be. But nobody ever rides for Kevin Durant, right? Nobody's out there defending Kevin Durant's right. name on a consistent basis, even though he is one of the best players to have ever done it, and he's won multiple national championships. Definitely or, one of the best scorers to ever play the game. Yeah, multiple titles, we say. But nobody's getting on Twitter right now going, Katie would school all these guys. They would probably just like, they make jokes. Like, ah, Katie would probably just join whoever it is that's doing good right now. So that's kind of where UConn is. Nobody's out there riding for UConn. And I'll be curious to see how Dan Hurley sticks around with UConn, too. And I don't know, maybe maybe UConn's the perfect place for Dan Hurley because you can carry that chip on your shoulder. Nobody respects us. We're going to do it our way. I mean, Dan Hurley was certainly feeling it last night when he gets to the podium and he kind of says this comment out of nowhere about how, like, no, we don't cheat here. I'm just mostly proud of the way that we've done it and with the type of people that we've done it, the way we, you know, recruit young players, develop young players. Um, you know, we, we do it without cheating. We do it without, uh, without lying. Um, you know, it's, it's truly been building a program and a culture. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I have the best coaching staff in the country that attracts these incredible, you know, types of players. <laughs> what is he... I have no idea. I'm so confused. As if there's no NIL money at UConn. I don't understand that. That's not cheating either. I don't getting players out of the portal is not cheating. Getting older players. I understand having some pride. Yes. In developing players, right? Like sure. the the Villanova way, as if you will, with Jay Wright was they'd get these guys and they'd mm-hmm. recruit them and they'd develop them and nobody transferred from Villanova. And there was a big story when right? he actually got access to those top recruits who were going right. to leave. He hated it. Right. Exactly. Right. So I, I get that sentiment, but to act like say Miami cheated. For example, you know, a team that we know went into the portal and and spent a lot of money to get players. That's not cheating. That that's that's taking advantage of an opportunity to improve your team. That's not cheating. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of 2015 uh, when Duke yeah. beat Wisconsin in the national championship, and Bo Ryan, the head coach, made some weird remarks about how, well, you know, we don't take on this or that. One and we're, done. We're not one and done. They're not players. here for nine months and, and all sort yeah. of stuff. Even though they've got like grad transfers. Sure. And, and all those types of things. But I guess there's a distinction between a grad transfer and, and not. I don't know. Sometimes uh, you can you can win ugly and you can lose ugly. And I was – but it tracks for Dan Hurley because that's that's his personality. The guy runs hot. Should I, should I do the thing for UConn that I do for Virginia? Would that make Virginia fans happy? And that is what? I mean, I forgot who it was who tweeted it, but it was like Alabama should be embarrassed right now. And they should be punished for making us watch UConn versus San Diego State. Alabama had the single easiest path I've ever seen to the Final Four, yeah, well, and they couldn't get there. They were also the most talented team in the country. Yeah, how many times do we see that happen in the NCAA? It happens tournament? a lot. It happens a lot, man. It it's happens a, it a lot. It is a chaos and there's your And there's your argument for a Kansas. There's your argument for mm-hmm. a Duke, for a Carolina that consistently puts a team into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament.